4: Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tacova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners.
1: Tacova's will throw in one of their best selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at Tacova's.com.
4: Just use code REALFRIENDS. At checkout. That's R E A L F R I E N D S.
1: That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. And point your toes west.
5: Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because eighty acres farms uses zero pesticides, visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.
4: Donald, count us in. One, two. No, oh, go, go one, down. Two, three. Donald, Wait, go what? down. Donald, go down. That's not what I meant. Three, two. Oh, well then that's you got to say.
1: You said count us in. I thought you were like doing. Donald, a...
4: count us down.
1: There we go. Because counting us in is you know like the five, songs six, about five, to... six, seven, eight. Right. Exactly. Well, okay, count here us into our Ready? song. Count us here into our
4: song, Donald. I really don't want to anymore <laughs> five six seven eight you want fame well fame costs and right here's where you start paying in sweat debbie allen fame the tv show thank you
2: here's some stories about a show we made about a bunch of doctors and nurses and
4: Listen, we have um, Donald. We have our first. We have our first real guest. Yes, we do, and I'm really excited about this. I don't think there could be a more appropriate guest because he's the reason that, that we're here. He's the reason we're friends. He's the reason that this show happened. That so many people across the world love, and it all came from his brain.
1: He's the reason why I'm in my why I have a closet that I can stay in right now. And he's the reason I have a desk. Show.
4: He's the reason I have a desk. He's the reason I have this water bottle. I always say that to our our next guest jokingly but also seriously whenever I buy myself even like occasionally I buy him dinner and he's so grateful and I say are you kidding I can only buy you this dinner because of you ladies and gentlemen the creator of scrubs Mr Bill Lawrence
6: yeah <laughs> I, I pretended to not even be in the frame, even though this is not a
4: video thing. Hey guys, I know.
1: I wish I, we were I, recording so people could see that.
4: I want people. <laughs> at, I, I want people at home to know that even though we're not recording the video, Bill hid on on the Zoom app and made an appearance.
6: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hey, that was too nice and uh, uh, of an introduction because you guys would, would have both done fine without me. I like that I can claim credit for your success and well being, but. Um, you would have found your way regardless.
4: Well, that's nice of you to say, but uh, you definitely changed both of our lives a lot and in a um, big way, and also um, made something that very rarely happens. I'm finding as I attempt to make TV shows uh, and produce them, and something that went nine years and something that is a a, a global success. And I guess the, the first logical question I wrote down uh, in my notes is how did because I I was. Um, listening to this i'd want to know how you came up with the idea how did it how did it the, the seed come to you in the first place
6: uh you guys both know there was a medical advisor on the show named uh jd and he's the real jd and uh he's my best friend in college he was a fuck up and uh are we allowed to curse on yeah, your podcast you can curse away we're, you oh, we're explicit nice. bill go nuts let loose he was he was a screw up i went the other way um and uh uh I used to joke with him because he was such a bad student that he went back to college to go to med school a second time. I mean, to pre-med a second time, so would get into a med school. And I said, my biggest nightmare would be waking up in an emergency room and having you standing over me and going, uh, hey, you're gonna be fine. Um, <laughs> and I just thought that would be a good TV show because we used to drink beers and he used to talk about how all these stories, especially the early ones, are ones straight from his life. You know, Worrying that his friend sewed a piece of gauze up into somebody fallen in love with a different girl in his residency program who he's now married to. Uh, he's a real guy. It's more relevant than ever because he has become the Kelso at uh, a Kaiser hospital in Los Feliz. And he's there running their COVID virus command center today as we speak.
4: Oh, yeah. I wow. saw that you tweeted something about that. Uh, so tell us like, cause you're, you must you're still best friends. So you must be in contact with him as he's dealing with all this COVID insanity, right?
6: Yeah. He's super pals. He um, he's a heart surgeon and a cardiologist. he, he still does speaking engagements, sometimes the real JD, but he goes by John. So, peop, you know, he, he put out a tweet the other day saying, hey, to all the uh, doctors and nurses, you know, that work with me, I'm really proud. And uh, I said, hey, is the real JD? He married the real Elliot and he's out there fighting the fight. And it became viral and a news story and stuff in our basketball game that Donald has played in before. And in this episode, you can see that Donald can play ball. JD played in that game, and he tore his rotator cuff. So he can't be a heart surgeon as much because it aggravates his injury. So he took the Kelso job the same way Dr. Cox took the Kelso job late in life, and he runs the whole hospital in Los Feliz. That
1: said game you speak of is probably – the uh, roughest game I've ever played in in my <laughs> life. Jaws being broke, noses broke, uh, uh, angles it's a bunch twisted. Of, it's, a, it's,
6: a, it's a bunch of dumb comedy writers too, man. It's oh so, my it's gosh, so, it's violent. it's serious. It's so vi. It's violent, dude. It's violent. It's, it's a lot older now, Donald. We're all, I mean, we're the old guys now, and there's a, a wave of young guys. My son plays... Will, and I sent Zach a video of Will dunking the other day, and I was so excited about yeah, it. Yeah, Bill and sent
4: I, me a video of Will dunking, he's like, you have no idea how proud this makes me. It has to be
6: Donald Donald Zach doesn't understand as a you know this is like to see somebody dunk. I, I didn't even get a response. So Zach's like, oh yeah, he's throwing that round ball into the hoop without. Uh, <laughs> by the way, go. if
4: you if you had sent me that kid singing "Bring Him Home" from Les Mis, I would have cried. You would have
6: lost your mind. You would have lost your mind. Oh my yeah, by God! By the way,
1: I, dude, Zach would have. I am so proud of Will. Oh my God.
4: <laughs> I wouldn't have had it on repeat. I literally would have just been playing Will singing "Bring Him Home." Bill, when when you were
1: younger, could you dunk? Did you I ever could not? You could not dunk. You were never. When I was younger, I could, but when I was a lot younger, yeah, a lot. Donald
6: will does it. Will does it now aggressively. It's pretty cool. That's awesome. Like on the spin move on the break, Uh, he can do it off the dribble, and he can do it off an alley oop. He's he's has trouble still gripping it. Why are you guys speaking
4: Latin right now? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He tries. He tries. I I wanted to go back to um, JD for the real JD for a second because I remember Mm. back in when we first started. He had a pager, and um, and they would literally—he'd be at the hospital advising us. So just for those of you who don't know, a medical advisor on the show is obviously showing us, everyone, the extras, Donald and I, all the doctors, how to, how to look like we know what we're doing. And, and this is how you do this, and this is what you'd be doing in this particular situation. And, and this was still in the, in the era of the fax machine. And I remember JD would—he'd be talking to us and saying, yeah, hold it like that, do that. And then he'd get a page— And then he'd go receive a fax, and he'd look down at the fax of someone's EKG, and he'd be like, uh, I should probably get going.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, he used to joke about that, that he liked the gig with us so much more than his real gig, you know, because he was a grunt, you know. He was still, I mean, he was out of residency, but, you know, he was uh, slaving away back then, trying to pay off med school loans and kind of being around Hollywood. He loved it, you know.
1: His wife would also uh, cover for him when he was – when he couldn't be there, she'd come by and, you know, we'd run things by her. Speaking of this episode, it starts off in the OR. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be awesome. I get to show my dramatic face in the middle of uh, surgery. It'll be just like <laughs> all the doctor shows that are on right now. You know what I mean? And then we get there and you're like, no, put the mask on. And I'm like, wait, what? wait, do you mean put the mask on. And you're like, no, you guys, we, we have to wear the masks. And I was like, wait, but we're supposed to be acting. This is nearly and you were like, no, 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 no. Put the masks on. Put the, Put the masks on. mask. on. Do it with your eyes.
6: Right. Can and do with it with eyes. your eyes.
1: And I remember being right like, now. okay, this could, this is gonna be <laughs> this okay. Looking back at it now, we were, other than MASH, I think, the first shows really to do that. All of these other shows were doing well, they cheat, surgery
6: yeah. without the masks on. And Donald, it's a great point, because you know, JD is most proud of, even though we took so many liberties and were goofy and stuff, it's uh been often said that this, for at least medical professionals, that this was the most realistic medical show. You know, just on what it was I heard like. That, by the way,
4: life I was. get that all the time, Bill, and uh, people on on my social media and everything will say. And even I think the American Medical Association said that. So, so tell us about that. When you when you started, did you? I've always said, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you, because the show was going to be silly and go off in crazy tangents, that you said to your writers and obviously a mantra to yourself that no, I want. The, the, the medicine to always be as accurate as possible.
6: We had to, they, uh, they you know, they initially, even before I could cast you guys talked to about making that show on a soundstage. And I'm like, man, this show's going to be so silly in so many ways. If it's not in a real hospital, people are going to tell it's fake. And so we used to have this board of, you know, we do all the funny uh, fantasies and jokes and silly shit. And then we had this board of uh, ways to make it real you know, and uh, one of them, Donald was talking about one of them, the masks, but you guys needing to look competent, people needing to die, the rooms to be grungy and, and to not have as saturated a, a look color-wise. Mm-hmm. You know, we just wanted, we thought like we made everything that wasn't funny real, that maybe it would work going back and forth between serious and goofy tone. You know, I heard mm-hmm. Donald talking about that in your other episode about how the, the colors didn't pop and everything looked kind of dank and, you know and disgusting intentionally
4: when when you um came off, you were coming off of spin city for those of you who, who don't know right it, i was um, gonna
1: ask should we go through i mean not that you want to sit here and discuss your resume or anything
4: like that <laughs> <but you> were, <laughs> no, right. yeah he would he'd love to we gave oh, a little story true.
1: about what we were doing before scrubs and how our life changed before scrubs i imagine your life changed i remember the table read I'm just saying, I would love to hear <laughs> Yeah, your, we've
4: never heard like how, I mean, you were already successful. You're coming off Spin City, but how, you know, Donald and I went on and on about how it was such a shock to our lives. I mean, this was your first hit show on your own. I mean, was that a big change in your life?
6: Yeah, you know what? I had had such a weird experience on Spin City that I was partnered up with an iconic star from my generation. You know, I, I you guys were so kind to Mike Fox when he came and guested on the show, but that was such a surreal- experience for me writing for, for Mike, you know, it was like the back to the, the guy that I grew up with this particular experience. Um, even before I met you guys, I was like, all right, you can't have any expectations. There's no huge movie star doing this. You guys have probably heard me say before I decided to treat this whole thing like, all right, I wrote the script. No one's ever going to make it. Uh, uh, they're going to let me shoot the pilot. It'll never be on the show's going to be on. It'll never last a whole season, so I'll make the janitor an imaginary character. You know what I mean? Uh, Oh, it lasts a whole season. It'll never be on a season two. And so to me, that kind of protected me. You know, uh, I thought that I was making something like Freaks and Geeks, you know, that would be, people would go, hey, that was really good, and it got canceled after four episodes. And it was surreal to me that it kept working. that makes sense to you guys. So I was really into the art of it all. Like at the table read, I remember just being so happy that everyone top to bottom was so good, you know, and from what I had done, not necessarily popping, you know, jokes in a sitcom style and playing it real. And I'm like, oh, this this is a show that I'd watch, even though no one else will. So, yeah, I was resigned very early to the show, not being successful. It was very weird. I never asked you this
4: question, but becoming off of Spin City, and this was kind of the beginning of of a big single camera comedy craze for those of you who don't know the difference being like sitcom traditionally a set in front of a live audience and then a single camera we shoot it like a movie. was there any pressure on you to make this idea you had a sitcom uh, and did you have to fight yeah for they
6: it? uh The best thing that Spin City bought me was the financial and professional security to – what happens in television often is you'll create a show. uh, Hey, I'm going to do a show about a young married couple and what it's really like, and I'm not going to compromise it at all. And then you'll go sell it to a network, and when you come out, you're like, all right, it's the same show. I mean we have a kid that's six that speaks like a (laughs) 30-year-old, and I do have superpowers now. (laughs) But otherwise – Otherwise it's like the exact same. Right. And so with this show, when I said I was I was so convinced it would be a failure, because like early on, ABC were like, hey, that show's interesting. What maybe the Dr. Cox character should be married and we'll just it's a sitcom. We see him at home, we see him at work. I'm like, Yeah, I'm not gonna do that. And it was never really an issue for me because I was so convinced that this would never work anyways, I just wanted to stick with what I thought would be cool, you know, and what would, would work. Mm. So There was a lot of pressure. The the only thing that this episode resonates in a huge way, because the president of NBC at the time was convinced that single camera comedy shows weren't funny. Um, And uh, so I'm like, I'm going to keep this show on by decorating it with every bell and whistle I can. So this is one of the last, I think there's only a couple more episodes after this that still have sound effects. Yeah.
4: That's something I wanted to talk about as we, uh, when we start going through the show,
1: Just so we're clear, though, <laughs> who was the president of the network at Zucker. the time?
6: Zucker, Zucker was the president. What yeah. was yeah. Sassa? What was Sassa? Scott Sassa was very sassified All right, so uh, this we is talk. the uh, Bill,
4: Bill in an episode that will have aired by the time this airs, because in episode yeah. two we talk about the infamous time that Donald gave a noogie to Jeff Zucker and he said, "Please, yeah. Donald, no." And yeah. um, and Donald, but my, but my, I
1: was, I, I always thought at the time, I thought that Jeff Zucker was.
6: Scott Sassa's assistant. Nope, he was he was Scott Sassa. <laughs> Scott Sassa got shuffled out right as Jeff Zucker came in. Jeff Zucker now runs CNN. He's one of the most powerful guys you know in the news world. Uh, Scott Sassa is claimed to fame with me because there's always a disconnect with executives that really didn't know how this worked. And what's really interesting is if you look at the credits of Scrubs, um, the only title and the writers that has writer next to it is staff writer which is the lowest rank on the totem pole and then the other writers on the show are story editor co-producer things that don't necessarily say writer and when i handed in the first three scripts you know a showrunner always um rewrites everything on any show we had a great writing staff but i was still doing that Uh, scott sassa called me up he's like i read the first three scripts and i gotta say those three staff writers you hired, because he thought that was the whole writing staff was three people. Those three staff writers you hired really nailed it and really captured your voice from the pilot. I want to be like, well, first of all, they didn't because I wrote these. And secondly, <laughs> secondly, those three staff writers are all like 21 and have never worked on a show before. Um, so crazy, man. And then he shockingly got fired and uh, uh, Jeff Zucker replaced him right before Donald kissed his head. Right kissed
1: before,
4: kissed right, and nuggie, Bill. Kissed,
6: <laughs> and <nuggied. laughs> kissed and nuggied.
1: Kissed and nuggied
6: his head, yes. <laughs> yeah, by the way, you know what? We missed a good bit of Scrubs trivia. I got to say it because so I forget it. Do you guys remember real JD's wife's name? She's Elliot in real Dolly, life. You Dolly, Dolly. Her. Dolly. Yeah. Do you know her last name? Doris. Her maiden last name. Her, no, her maiden last name was is Dolly Clock. I'm horrible at naming characters. Do you remember <laughs> a character on our show named Molly Clock?
4: That was Heather Graham. Yes! <laughs> you go, wow. So you—that's very you, good. John i Dor- never got yeah. that. By the way, a lot of our J- John, fans, bill on uh, when when we put the first episode out, we asked a question. Well, I asked a random question, saying I don't even know what sitcom set that was, and like my whole Twitter feed was like answering that it was the Damon Wayans show. My wife and kids. My wife and kids. There you go. So everyone probably answered your Molly clock trivia question before. They knew it right away.
1: You know, my favorite, my favorite part of this show, and it's not even the A storyline. In this episode, is the clock the countdown? Yeah, you could have so cool. made yeah. the
6: whole show about that. That was that could have been the whole show. I well, love good, that. That's a good writer trick. You put an imaginary uh, ticking clock on something, and everybody invests in it.
4: Yeah, that was clever. Wait, before we get to the show, I just want to ask another trivia thing of Bill. I got so geeked out. I really did my homework this week, and like, and, sure. Oh, uh, well, wait. Job.
6: Before you go, I want to tell uh, Donald because he can look him up. There's a picture of Donald and the surgeon he was based on. Donald would be named John Turk because that's the surgeon's name, but JD was already John, so he became Chris Turk. There's a picture of you with your arm around John Turk when he visited set once, and I'm not even I sure remember. if you knew who he was. Is yeah. Donald I remember when him? He, no,
1: I remember when he came and visited. He was like, "I'm Turk," and I remember him being white and me being like, yeah. "Oh snap!" <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> what a rewrite! you but you're white. Donald here? was like, "No, you're not. I'm Turk." <laughs> Um, I want to just want do one other bit of a trivia that is that, yeah. um, ABC passed on the show. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, um, the show is produced by ABC studios and ABC, the network gets first crack at things if the studio produces it and our show ended up on NBC. So tell us how that happened.
6: The dude this is a true story and I'm not even going to out him because he's a nice man when I pitched this show to the people that ran the ABC network, uh, one of the dudes had a chair that, you know, kind of blocked, you could lean back into that blocked the view of his head. And about midway through the pitch, (laughs) like a bad guy guy in (laughs) a movie, bad guy. (laughs) And midway through the pitch, I, we all heard audible snoring. He had had a rough (laughs) night. I think the night before. (sighs) And I was literally like, I don't think this pitch is going that well, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I'm <laughs> like, I'm not sure this is what you would call a sale in the room. Because oh the, the, the dude that buys is snoozing. So they didn't buy it. And uh, the guy that ran ABC Studios said, you got to wait five months. But then since they hated it, uh, I'll say, hey, can I have permission to go sell this somewhere else? And they'll think it'll never sell. So they'll say, OK. And then I went and sold 10 BC. But it was why the life of our show was so weird We were one of the only shows on um, NBC completely owned by ABC, which is why time slot with me moved around and not always protected and stuff. So it was uh, it was a weird business arrangement.
4: I always wonder how that goes in, in the TV landscape when, like, you know, you hear these stories of, oh, every like everybody passed on Breaking Bad, you know, and the guy at ABC who passed on Scrubs. Like, I just wonder if they if they fuck with each other in the hallways, like, good job, Tim. Right. Well, you know, the, the,
6: the cool <laughs> moment I had, there is a great guy at ABC who ran it for a while and is now a producer named Stu Bloomberg, and he ran into me after our first year, and he goes, you know, I didn't, he, he heard that pitch, he was there, he's like, I heard that pitch and I didn't get it, now I get it, I feel like an idiot, and I thought, oh, that's really cool. So it was, he was very nice about it. At least he was mentioned. He was not uh, the one that fell
4: asleep. Yeah. Will you tell us about casting Turk and um, wow. and Wow. You're just gonna how, get
1: right into it. Well, I, 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 have,
4: I literally have like hours of questions for Bill, but I I, I know we want to also do the episode. But tell tell us about just you know about we obviously want to know from your experience because we shared our experience in the in the first episode, but your experience of of finding Donald.
6: Uh, I was a Donald fan already. I'd seen Clueless, you know, and uh, uh, just thought he was really funny, and 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 he killed Cheers. all his auditions. And uh, in the test part of it, um, you know, it's really interesting cuz i i feel like i um both hurt and then saved donald in a way to make myself look like a hero I feel pretty cool about it which is <laughs> you know the one thing i tell people that don't understand what network tests used to be it literally used to be that you would come as an actor and actress and stand in the head of casting's office while 20 people were in the back sitting or you know, leaning against the window, judging you, and you'd have one chance. If you're actually shooting the show, you would have twenty chances. You bet you'd have one chance to do it, not mess up, you know? And uh and also somehow make a room of people that all feel weird to be standing in someone's office anyways, laugh. So I used to tell everybody, you know, the the biggest curse in the world is low energy. You know what I mean? Because if you come into those low energy, everybody's gonna be like, oh this is horrible. Um, and the one mistake I made with Donald is if you tell Donald, why don't you dial up that energy to 11? I know where this why is you, going. <laughs> why don't you make sure you dial that energy up to 11, everybody? Um, uh, Donald, I mean, Donald's like, hello, Los Angeles. And he came in and, he, uh, uh, and he, did, <laughs> he did his audition. And the truth is he did crush all the comedy. About uh, when he left, they're like, "That guy's energy was fantastic, and he's really funny." But he very obviously can't do any of the sincere or dramatic moments because he's an insane person. And uh, <laughs> and I'm like, "No, no, no, you can. That's me. That's me." And they never do this, but I had luckily been through the process before in a different show, and so I went out to Donald and tried to make it very grave because I wanted him to come in then and just play the drama of everything. You know, because I'm like, I told all them, I'm like, look, that's my note, and if he comes back and does it the other way, you'll see you can do whatever we want. It's a single camera show, you know. And uh, I went back to Donald, and I'm like, I think I said something like, "All right, they thought you suck shit." You yeah, know? dude. And, uh, it was one of those things. <laughs> where, I thought
1: you were coming to tell me, "All right, you got the part." You were like, so I'm walking. I, I remember skipping into the room like, "Here we go, <laughs> oh, here God. we fucking go," and you were oh, like, God, "So God. that really was horrible."
6: Right, I was amazing. like, oh, for them. For them, that was too right. <laughs> much. I think much is the word. Um, no, but the uh, uh, but then I just, we talked for a while and I'm just like, just dial it down and now play it like it's not a comedy and play the drama of it. Donald came back in, and this is a, a compliment to his acting ability. He came back in and then he did it as if he wasn't looking for any laughs or energy. And he walked out, I'm sure, shook by doing it again. And the second he walked out, the head of NBC casting, a guy named Mark Hirschfeld, was like, oh, I see it totally, he's got it. Yeah. Okay. Like, yeah, well, Donald. thank you.
1: Well, first of all, thank you very much for being a hero and and stepping I'm up. I'm not a hero. Here. I don't have
6: the best bedside manner. You guys know that.
1: Yeah, okay, but so. it doesn't matter though, uh, man. Have, you got the s- point across. And look, dude, 20 something years later, I owe you a lot, bro. I owe you a lot.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember it's so intimidating. I, I almost I think that may have been the first time I ever made it to a network test. And it was down to four of us. And literally, everyone, there must have been 30 people crammed into a small office. It was the most awkward environment to ever try and do a good job. What was this yeah. for? This was for scrubs. Really? really? It was that guy, Mark, wasn't it Bill? Mark Hirschfeld. Mark office. Hirschfeld. Yeah, yeah. Wait, everyone was crammed into his office, and I was very nervous. And uh, Sarah was there to read with me for her scenes but I remember feeling my adrenaline come up. Like I was almost going to have a panic attack. And I was like, not today.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you know, I cheated. Everybody cheats. I cheated for the people I wanted to get the part. So you guys both had extra lines and jokes and moments, um, that we had all come up with and found together that other actors weren't doing. Right. And then when I, at the beginning, when I go in and talk to everybody, I'm like, Hey, I'm really into everybody bringing their own flavor. And so, some of these actors and actresses have stuff that they brought on their own, and I let them do it. But it's it not true. You know what I mean? It's just you two and Sarah had stuff that you brought on your own that we let you do.
4: Wow! I didn't. I have to, I remember at the time thinking that's so awesome. He feels like he's rooting for me. But is he doing that with everyone? Like I didn't. You know? Nah, no, I knew. I knew since then. You've told me that. But at the time, I was thinking like, I think, I think, I, think I might be his favorite. Like I'm getting like extra <laughs> jokes. The uh, you know the only
6: one that uh, it's great trivia. The only one that uh, we didn't know what was going to happen and we shifted gears a little bit uh, of like, what are we going to do if this doesn't happen? It's fascinating. And when you have him as a guest, I'll tell you, I wrote in the script like we were looking for a John C. McGinley type for Dr. Cox. And John came in and read it and was fucking, he was amazing. And then at the studio, he did something... Completely different and high energy, John. And his intensity dial had been dialed up like 10 notches. And the reaction of the studio was like, Whoa, that is uh, way too much. And unlike with you guys, I wasn't even confident enough to bring John back in and go, Hey, you did that wrong. Because I feel like what would follow would be a hard blow to the face. You know? Uh, (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Hey, you did that. Oh my God. Get off my neck. Get off my neck. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, and so we had this giant level, me and the casting directors, you know, Brett and Debbie were like, uh, oh man, who's it going to be if it, cause for us, it was John McGinley. And we went into the network and just said, just cross your fingers, And he came into the network and did it completely different without anybody having spoken to him. And this the Johnny C dialed down ten notches and literally walked out of there as if he with the thought, he almost said, I got this as he left. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was just so Johnny C. He was literally he did it and then I'm like, You feel good? He's like, Cash, see ya. He's like,
4: So John, that was the only Johnny, nerve-wracking. Johnny one. C had so many expressions that he would always say. We were, we were talking about five good ones and, and cash and and how he'd better say better now. How you doing? Better now.
1: Better now.
4: How you doing? There's five good ones for you. How you doing? Yeah. Better now. Yeah. <laughs> and then how he'd say to the editor, uh, we'd finish a scene, and our editor's name was John michel and he'd go, "Well, we gave John michel some ammo, <laughs> <laughs> some ammo." I love that dude, man. That's funny.
1: Speaking that you went out for like a Johnny C type and everything like that, I find it so funny that when – that's almost like a gift and a curse when they when they say that. We talked about this in the last podcast. You know what yeah. I mean? When they say we're looking for a Zach Braff type, they're not looking for Zach Braff
4: though. No. They're no. looking for a, a Zach Braff they type. Want, they want Zach Braff-ish. You know what
6: helped uh, though I think? I thought it, it's different if like – And this is a compliment. Like right now, both you guys, you say Zach Bradford, Donald Faison type. They're going TV star. When I said John C. McGinley type at the time, it just meant a character actor, you know, with kind of an intensity thing. It wasn't like he was a household name. You know what I mean? So I don't think it cursed him as much because as no insult to him. Seven out of ten people that read the script are like, no, 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 cool. Who's John C. McGinley? (laughs) You know what I mean? And so he didn't have he was. Yes. Oh, you mean the dude from Platoon? John, platoon, yes. platoon guy. Or Why didn't you say platoon? platoon guy? You mean office space, but that's a different guy. No, that's it's right. the same guy. No, that's not the same guy. So uh, now if you say John C. McGinley type, people are like, oh, yeah, arms crossed, super intense, you know. But and back the guy then it didn't scrubs. mean that.
4: Scary. Scary. Intimidating. Oh, scary. You know what I mean? And then we were were afraid of Bill in the beginning, but then when we got, like, more I never
1: said that. Well, you know what? I I did (laughs) say one thing. I I did say one thing, and because of it, because of it, it stuck with me for the rest of the fucking show. What was that? And I said, one time, I was like, you know, Bill said to everybody, he was like, look, I'm going to write for all of you, whatever you do, just don't come in my fucking office and say- how come I'm not in the show this week. And so as a joke, I went into his office oh, God. and I was like, "Dude, I'm fucking barely in the show this week." And he was like, "Oh yeah, you got fazand. And that fucking <laughs> stuck with me
4: for the rest. About do you, you remember Phazon, dude? Oh my goodness, yes. I totally forgot about that. So dude, it became a running. So Donald did that, and then for the rest of the show, when you were when you were light, when you barely had anything to do in the episode, people were like, "Oh man, I got, I got on. I got
6: on. I remember the only two things I remember like that. I remember Phazoned, and I remember even saying to guest actors. Um, see if you guys remember this. A guest actor would be like, I still don't think I nailed that line. I'm like, dude, I don't have time for you to Sarah One Morsey. Do you guys know oh, yeah. what that is? <laughs> because Sarah One
4: There's a song. Sarah One more Z. Sarah, Sarah One, Sarah won, one more Z. She, she wants, wants one more when she's had seven. five. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> Sarah, no matter how many takes she did, like she'd be like the director would always be like, Okay, Sarah, are you good? Can we move on? One more. One more. One more. <laughs> and we'd all be like, but Sarah. There's, there's Sarah. something so good about a
6: confused guest actor's face when I'm like, dude, I don't have time to Sarah one Morsey right now. <laughs> they they thought I was speaking like Klingon. It's gibberish.
4: That, that song had like a nice hook to it. She wants one more when she's had five.
6: Sure. <laughs> hey, you know what's interesting? I, I can uh, uh, I remember something, Donald, about someone choosing a take in this episode. I wish I could remember who said it. It might have been um, Neil Goldman because he was up on set but it's in the cut, and I didn't have it in the initial cut. And he said, there's one take where Donald comes in and says – uh, does has anybody seen my keys? How about my wallet? That he says, yeah. How about my wallet? Like Chris Rock, yeah. He's yeah. Like, you gotta put that one in. How about my wallet? How about my wallet? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I literally went back to the cut, and I went back to the cut, and watched that
4: master, and you're like, How about my wallet? And I'm like, <laughs> Donald, was that Chris Rock inspired? I wanted to ask
1: you. No, it's probably Eddie Murphy inspired. I was, yeah, yeah that's
6: uh but it was, it was funny as sin, man. How about
1: there's, well, there's. There's that one, and the one that we li- used to laugh at all the time from this episode is, I try to discover
0: a little something to make me sweeter.
4: <laughs> I remember we laughed for days about that. You're really funny in this episode, I wanted to say. Yes, you are.
1: Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C. O-V-A-S dot com and point your toes
4: west. As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovas has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tacovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, only at tacovas.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, read a book, show up for a friend? A lot of people spend their lives wishing they had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it?
1: The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule
4: is to know what's important
1: to you and make it your priority.
4: Therapy personally for me has helped me a lot. Focus on my goals. And you've heard me talk on the podcast of the whole idea of whiteboarding and manifesting and and really getting clear with myself what I want to accomplish in my life and where I want to set my sights.
1: If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try.
4: It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule.
1: Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist
4: and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/realfriends today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp h e l p .com/realfriends.
1: Let me tell you guys, my family loves our Helix sleep mattress. Ever since we've got it, we've had some of our best sleep
4: yet. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux collection, the newly released Helix Elite collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So
1: how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes.
4: And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently.
1: That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences.
4: Not only is the mattress the best I've slept on, but the setup was fast and easy. Helix mattresses are delivered in a box straight to your door for free.
1: Helix is offering 20% off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com realfriends and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix. Better sleep starts now.
4: Daylight savings time is starting up again for most states. The goal? To give everyone more daylight from March through November. By setting clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner.
1: There's only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash RealFriends. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach
4: more of the right people. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why 4 out of 5 employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash real friends. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash real friends. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
1: Now that we're talking about the episode, I was going to say that we can segue to the episode. This is episode three, uh, my best friend's mistake. And first of all, as a show caught our stride, I feel like in this episode, Now, the next episode that's after this is uh, My Old Lady. And I think that's the third episode we shot. But this episode aired before My Old Lady, if I'm correct.
4: Bill, why why were Donald and I... You'll have the answer to this. Both Donald and I forever have always said, oh, 103 was the episode where we lose three patients and it was kind of like a good hitting our stride moment. And then both of us this morning went to go rewatch the show and were like, oh, 103 is not that. Did they switch uh, around?
6: I'm almost positive, but I got to go look. The pilot and the next one or two were directed by Adam Bernstein.
4: Yeah, I can help you out because Joelle, and our amazing producer, made a note here that I she said, I read this was originally supposed to be episode two, this one.
6: It wasn't that as much as, because we fixed that in scripting stage. They wanted me to repilot and I wrote episode two that you guys talked about. And then Adam didn't want to go away for a week and come back. So he was directing two episodes in a row. I think we cross-boarded even a little bit. I can't remember. i have to check. And then Mark Buckland directed The Mild Lady uh, after this, even though it was the third episode. We were going to split them up. Okay. Because Adam was it coming from New York. And even though we were going to go, you're going to direct the first episode and the third episode. He's like, yeah, I'm not flying home and coming back. I'll do all the prep before I do them. Yeah, you because know, he's a quirky character, yeah, and he so then like we leave New York, Adam Still yeah. so well, to
4: this day, I've tried to get him to come do with other things um, in the years since, and he's like, "I don't really like to leave New York."
6: <laughs> uh, Donald's smart because we did catch our stride with two things, and I'll see if you guys. The, the the we used to have this big wall of things that we were trying to establish as motifs for the show, and uh, this one was we had a super long discussion. The reason we did that runner about how important music was going to be in this show, yeah. And so we're like, we're even going to make a song travel around the show like a virus. And, you know, that'll be the start of how cueing people in that music isn't just background in this show, it has huge importance. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> the song that we chose, I'm So In Love With You, you know, just give me a little, it was, it was specifically about what was going on in those scenes. It wasn't just a viral song. And we were trying to train people to go, oh, I'm supposed to listen to the words of the song too, because they're about what we're actually doing. And then the second thing, which is why it was important that Bernstein was there, was, was when we first discussed uh, that the camera is a character. And it's the first time we did a cowboy switch when Zach's running to meet Elliot that a stuntman dives and takes a face plant and the camera doesn't just cut. It goes around looking for him like it's a, like it's an actual character, <laughs> where'd he go? you know, and then Zach gets up like this. So then, <laughs> yeah. And so the, the, if there was a thought bubble, you could have almost looped in the camera going, where'd he go? And, yeah. uh, uh, yeah. And so those two things kind of set, uh, a creative course for the show in ways that, you know, we kind of ran with after this
4: yeah, I didn't remember this one so much and then as I was watching it I was going, wow, there was there's a lot in this episode that are little moments that stuck with me forever like the friend zone and and the, <laughs> zone, the timer <laughs> the, the, the the creative timer clock thing every time I see Sarah and uh, and Donald uh, you know there's a lot of things that were that were used throughout the show too that that are established here like it's the first time we see Donald playing basketball and and you look very good, Donald. you look very fit. I, I, yeah. I wish I could get back into that shape you again. Can that you can, dog. You eat no. too much
1: shit. D- well, twenty six years old body compared to a forty six year old body is a big, 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 oh. big difference, man.
4: Well, am I, I really I took notice that you looked fire. Well, I'm going to, and I, hero, I, I to of, uh... accept and receive that. <laughs> and <laughs> so you. did Rob Machio. He like, Rob Machio. Yeah, oh, some Rob abs. can't watch, and he had, and he had
6: black hair. Uh, that was undyed. Black
4: hair. The uh, <laughs> uh, the uh, uh, I got to tell
6: you, man. So this is one of the things I get mocked for. Uh, why this episode stuck in my head was we we all have those things. Like remember when you, you share something with friends that you wish you hadn't or, or you're drunk and you say something. It's a shiver story. When you think back, you're
4: like, ah, yeah. Like Donald uh, giving a noogie to Jeff Zucker. (laughs) Yes.
6: So one of mine and in writer's rooms, you tell personal stories was in a fraternity. Really? I was in a fraternity. Yeah, no, I was. And, uh, you were in a fraternity. Yeah, no, I swear. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, uh, in college, we were all drinking and hanging out, and uh, I was a little buzzy, and I had a hometown girlfriend, and um, you really think you can go, and you care that much about her? And I said, and it haunted me for the rest of the year. They tortured me. I said, uh, dude, I miss her so much, it hurts sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and that became one of the memes from this show. You know what I mean? Because the mental... the
4: <laughs> I got to tell you, of all the memes and, and anything I, I get gifts I get sent, um, I miss you so much. It hurts sometimes. Is one of the most common. And and <laughs> well, that's it's so relatable. And that's it's in so episode. relatable.
5: <laughs> it's, it's also, so
6: by the way, the core of how to use. Uh, you know, I said, look, voiceover can be a crutch comedically because it's so easy. And when I teach, like the writers guild, they're like, "What do you mean, how?" I'm like, "Well, the easiest way." is to state a premise in your voiceover and then do the opposite. An example is just tell Turk how you feel without sounding like, you know, a girl for once. I miss you so much it hurts sometimes. You know, another one was when Elliot had the voiceover or uh, 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 is when Kelso spilled stuff on his face, whatever you do, do not say the word splotchy. And I think, J.D., I think you said, good splotchy, Dr. Splotchy. <laughs> Instead of... Why would you even say "good splotchy"? That's not
4: even a word. Good splotchy so. doctor splotchy. <laughs> Anyways. All right, so I wanted to say at 49 seconds in is my first um, Muppet exit that I ever did in the show Scrubs, <laughs> which which uh, which I always thought of as was when I when I would just turn my head. I always I always laughed at how. Um, Kermit the Frog and all the Muppets with Sesame Street characters would always turn and then and then walk out. Turn it and so then uh, hop out. Yeah, so I uh, when I when I leave the uh, the viewing room here, I sort of do a side turn and I I just kind of laughed. I think that was the first time I I tried out my successful Muppet exit. You it's used that a- a- ever? You got go. yeah. It became yeah. well, it was it was, it was a go to. Bill at one eleven. There's an exterior shot of the hospital that is never ever seen again. I don't think. And I noticed that it says something about women's on the top of it. Yeah, I didn't, been, I didn't paint it out. Guys, we didn't have the budget at the time to be painting or no. to be painting things out. But it's funny watching the early episodes. There's like it looks like you guys were it looks like someone was like, do we have an exterior shot of the hospital? Nah. How about that one? All right.
6: Well, we, we went and shot a bunch of stuff that we used in the pilot. And then once we ran out of that stuff, we just started shooting it at our own building.
4: Right, right on. But this one was this this was not cuz it says women's something at the top.
6: Yeah, no, it was particularly bad. There's a lot of bad stuff in here, guys, you know. I always well, it, get shit for that because I'm always like, you guys remember, my favorite thing to say when we're so busy is uh, I'm like I'll take that. all I'll take all the mail on that, okay? Right. So someone like an editor would come up and go, that says women's in the and I'm like when the letters come and there are thousands of them are going to come. Dear scrubs used to be a huge fan, but that hospital exterior said women's on it. You can send all those letters to me, I'll take all the mail. And it was such an arrogant, dicky thing to say, but I, I just never got caught up in this. No, that but stuff. it's true, because if they're looking at stuff like that, they're not really watching the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bill would always say that when we were
4: industry. when we were like when we were all holding up for something like you're in the wrong you're wearing the wrong watch. Bill would be like, Guys, I'll take all the mail on the wrong watch. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> that and then the meanest
6: thing that you could say, I used to say it to John Inwood all the time was he would make you guys wait while he went and fixed a light. You know, way in the background, take 10 minutes. And when he finally got back to camera, I'd always go, show saver. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, we were in real trouble, and you fixed it with that light that's 100 yards in the background.
4: Yeah, well, the man was passionate. He wanted to get it just perfect.
6: Uh, Zach, that was also – the episode was also not only your first Muppet exit – I wish I had a wider frame, but the first time that when you got up from falling, that you shook out your shoulders.
4: Oh, really?
6: (laughs) Yeah, that became a thing.
4: (sighs) I'm frozen at a frame here at two minutes of me in a threesome fantasy with Sarah Chalk and another beautiful model, and we're all sweaty. And the first thing that came to my head was, could you even do that today on a half-hour single-camera network comedy?
6: Not that, um, because it was pretty uh, suggestive and graphic. Risqué. sure. That was so awesome by the way. Yeah.
1: Like, holy I cow believe, first of all I couldn't first believe of all, it was my job. For, right, right. Well, first of all, it was so awesome because that's everybody's fantasy. To get married and for your wife
6: to be like, Yeah, we could do this. <laughs> it's gonna be it's yeah. also one of the, it's one of the best outtakes ever. Do you remember that one outtake where Zach was like, Yeah, keep kissing when the don't stop? I was, do you remember like, that?
4: I remember oh, something I being know. like I was like I know, I think I was like, keep rolling.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, look, I've had this discussion a lot. There's tons of things on our show you couldn't do now correctly or incorrectly. Like the Todd is an interesting one, oh. you know, uh, and we used to say uh, like the Todd started in a way, I don't know if you remember, he was always in a banana hammock because I said, if we're going to do a young man's fantasies and see women scantily clad, um, I think we have to see as much, if not more ridiculous male nudity. And so Todd would just always be in a banana hammock. Um, uh, And he was representative of somebody intentionally so crass, or so ludicrous, that he's to be laughed at and not with. But unfortunately, I think he was laughed with a lot. Um, uh, So I don't know if you could do him now. The one things I always get busted on are two storylines. One is when the janitor turned JD into a racist. And one is when I put Donald's picture on the cover of his college magazine twice. Do you remember when uh, oh. I said, like, your, your college was so happy to have oh, an accomplished God. great black guy that, uh, you know, in their sc- lily white school that on their brochure, your, your picture's there twice. Right. on one end and the other end, yeah. <laughs> they photoshopped me. you in twice just to look like a PC college, you know? Well, I noticed um, that.
1: I noticed that there are a lot of things, and this is just how, how time has gone. First of all, the show's about sexual harassment which is very... Uh, this which episode is, very, is yeah. because yeah, very dominant harassed. right yeah. now. One of Hollywood's biggest movie uh, makers is now in jail for doing horrible, horrible, horrible things, right? Yeah. But we're touching things like that, that are kind of untouched. Like, you can't touch these things now. These things that we were doing in the show back in the day some of these things, networks would be like, no, 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 no. Let's stay away from that. Let's stay away from Oh, uh, they'd, be,
6: they'd be so
4: careful. I think as Bill said, um, for some, for better. We've we've evolved and we probably wouldn't make some of those jokes today. And in some, I wonder, if, in this example with the sort of sexual, sweaty threesome fantasy, I'm just surprised, Bill, that you got it. I mean, I knew you wanted to push the envelope of what the show could be. I'm just, I just wondered, like even in now in 2020, if in a, in a primetime network comedy, if you could do a, Sweaty sex threesome joke.
6: No, look, uh, I want to answer two things because what Donald was saying, you know, is interesting. We talked about it a lot because I don't know if you remember in this episode. The resolve is that would have been a completely different story if Dr. Cox or a younger male was calling Sarah sweetheart and the boys sport. Uh, but we were kind of anticipating something. We talked about it. Kelso was of a different generation. He was older than all you guys. He called. He was definitely an old school dude. You can never say these things are innocuous, but it was a time in which at the end, John C. McGinley talks to Sarah and goes, if you're going to get mad uh, about some quasi term of endearment, you know, from an old out of touch dude, you know, your life here is going to be, a lot more complicated than it has to be. And she took the lesson of picking my battles, you know? So to Donald's answer, I think it's a story you can maybe still do if you're talking, although we've now moved 20 years away from that. At that time we were going like, Hey, here's a guy in his mid to late sixties, you know, that is without a doubt of a generation. I got in so much trouble when he, Kelso said to a male nurse, you know, Oh, you're wondering why you don't get respected. It's because you're doing a woman's job. Mm -hmm. And, Our intent was that Kelso is so out of touch that he would say that, Mm. you know what I mean? And then the complaints I got from Nurses Association, got letters and stuff, true, uh, were how could you have a character saying that when it's such a problem that characters, that people out there, especially from that generation, believe that and say that. I'm like, right,
4: it's real. He's the bad guy on this. And there's a nursing shortage. So like, don't discourage people.
6: Yeah, he's the bad guy on the show. He has those thoughts, and in a good way, I think Kelso evolved. Yeah. Um, and into uh, Zach's question, it comes all under the heading, and it's not just with those two girls, which was a joke, and obviously a joke about some you know young male fantasy, um, but this is for both of you and for Sarah and for Judy. When I said the show has to be real beyond the goofiness, uh, the, what we fought about more than jokes was about when we would have sex scenes. You know, and it was really important to me, not in a lascivious way, that they seemed, they didn't seem like a TV sitcom kiss where everybody goes, (laughs) woo! And some of the romance scenes between Zach and Sarah and Donald and Judy and even Johnny C. and my wife, which still turns my stomach a little bit because I had to see it. (laughs) You did it. um, You did
4: (laughs) it. I had to kiss Krista so early and I was still in the terrified of Bill phase. And um, it was an early episode. I don't know what probably five or something. And I had to make out with Krista. And I remember being like, this is the craziest job. I'm about to make out with my boss's wife for him. Yeah. <laughs> I still have that on a loop at my house. It's awesome. Oh,
6: horrible. It's, no, yeah. I mean, it's super sexy. I'm really grateful for oh that. My <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh. No, but my point is, did you didn't you guys think you were doing fairly racy sex scenes? The yes. two of oh, you, for, absolutely, absolutely, I, throughout the Network whole show. TV. I
4: mean, I can't remember, that big uh, famous one that Sarah and I did with the pizza. I remember that being like, I can't believe they're gonna put they're not gonna put this on TV. This is gonna be censored. And all my stuff with Amy Smart, I remember being like, they're gonna air this. Like,
6: yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was really excited about not in that way, but like when Judy and I would do scenes together. It I was it really felt like we were a couple when watch when I watched it you know what I mean because that's how I don't know that there was just something that was really uh, 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 we she and I had great chemistry I feel like and you guys because were awesome. of that and because of that I uh, you know when I watched her stuff that's that's what everybody hopes for when they do romantic stuff that the audience believes it and if the audience doesn't believe it well hopefully I believe it you know what I mean. And watching- I, I liked
6: you guys. I liked you guys. There's no offense because I love Zach and Sarah, but my favorite couple on the show, Donald and Judy, what the because fuck? as a writer's room, I know, blasphemy. Don't be mad. The writer's room. One of the things we put on those boards in the first couple weeks was, uh, we're going to get Turk and Carla together and never break them up and never threaten them. And, uh, you know, cause we're going to do will they or won't they with the other characters. And how cool is it to see a couple that finds each other and works right and- away? Yeah, and the only reason we ever even had you guys have a little dip here or there as a couple was because we never expected the show to last nine years, and we had to be right. like, we should probably throw a couple curveballs their way, man. Yeah, we need them. You
4: know? Right.
1: Looking back at it now, it's the per. It's perfect. As a young man doing, you know, who's on a television show. Like I used to be like, and we gonna have Holly Berry on the show as my love interest? <laughs> and we go
4: <laughs> and those things would nothing. never ever happen. Were you bummed out? Not not that it was Judy because she's a knockout, but were you Dude, like, Where's a all knockout. my love? I know, but were you like, Where are all my love interests?
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> but when you look back at the storytelling, when you look back at 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 uh the relationship that those two have, like I can't post pictures of my wife and I because people are like, that's not Carla. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, oh, I, can't, I get hit, by the I way. Can't post pictures uh, so, of me
4: hugging a- anyone because they're like, why aren't you hugging Turk?
1: Right. That's the, that's the other one that comes up. I'll be like, here's
6: a lovely picture of me and my family. And they'll be like, that's not, where's JD? Where's Zach Braff?" People, People hit me all the time, too, with how, and we tried to do it, you and Judy react it, you know, TV is a world in which a wife has her hands on her hips and is frustrated with a husband or the husband's like, you know, you're crazy.
5: Right.
3: And
6: even when we sent you guys in crazy stories, one of my favorite scenes was, uh, it's in a later episode, but when you guys find out Judy's pregnant before she does, and you're going to tell her and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody knows about her. And, you know, the cool thing about your characters is that, um, you, when the, when it comes to a comedic peak, and we did this a lot, you admit fault, and then um, she, instead of punishing you for it, says, ah, who gives a shit, we're having a baby. You know what I mean? Right. And that's not often how real couples work, so it was a couple to aspire to. Yeah.
1: Right. I thought. Looking back at it now, I love it. Like, just the even the courtship, even how the show starts and how these guys start off, you know, they're not together, but if you didn't watch the show from the beginning – you would imagine that when the show was introduced, these characters started off to, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you watch Family Guy and you and you say, okay, so Peter's married to, and this is his family, and this is, and you accept that the whole way through. There's no need for an origin story or anything like that. And that's how I feel it is with uh, Carla and Turk. There's no need for an origin story. They're just a TV couple that works. You know what I mean?
6: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was look. I was thinking about this because get uh, taking it back to the episode like the way Zach was doing cool things in freezing frames, I was trying to remember minutia for you guys. And the only the Turk and Carla minutia I remember was the scene <clears throat> in which you two are going to hang out and watch Fletch and then Donald leaves. Uh, it was very subtle. We had a, It's one of those discussions you have in the writer's room. It's like Donald's psyched to watch Fletch and Carla says, do you want to go hang out in your room? Uh, we don't want just Carla to go do you want to go fuck because that makes her seem like a bimbo and we don't want Turk to just, you know, be like, I'll drop JD in an instant. So like the dumb things you argue about in writer's room, you won't even notice unless you watch it again. Did you see that Carla was holding two beers? So like when she goes to you, go look at that again. She goes, "Uh, you're watching Fletch, you know, and it's funny when we do all the lines, she goes, Hey, you want to go hang out in your room? And she's got, so it's not, we, the women in the writing staff right, wanted to make it, oh, we're not just going to go fuck. I mean, we will eventually. But she's got two beers, so it's like, do you want to go out in your room? We both have a beer, we'll shoot the shit, and then we'll hook up. Right. And that fine line, I think people, this is me being a nerd, I think people, even if they don't notice that, it's subtext that they, if you do a ton of it, they gradually notice that it's more than just physical. Right. That scene also, Zach had a, a, and you can, then I'll hand it back to you, but you uh, had one of our other first arguments was we constantly fought in the writer's room and I made huge mistakes as we went along about things that should be a fantasy and shouldn't. Mm. And uh, this was one of the first arguments because when Carlos says, do you want to go hang out in my room? We look to you and when we look back, the remote control is still hovering in the air (laughs) Yeah, And, and and it drops. And it's very Bugs Bunny, and it was not done as a fantasy. You know what I mean? Did you
4: already, did you always, this early, have the sort of white flash to a fantasy always? I forgot. Yeah, we were,
6: tr- we were making the rules still, but we hadn't done the sound effects the- because we were just starting to obsess about the difference between fantasies and flashbacks.
4: Well, you know, one of the funniest things I think in, in throughout nine years of Scrubs is that Bill was always dancing around what is so broad. That's, that it's a fantasy or what could exist in this world. And there's, a, there's two that come to mind as my favorites that he put in the real world but we're probably supposed to be fantasies. One I is, when, one so is when when Donald packs me into the bag. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally it was literally the size of a fucking bowling bag. Yeah, he put you in a backpack. <laughs> I'm oh, sorry. It was a backpack, and I was like, and if you remember, my like arm and leg were sticking up, like my body would never yeah, bend had, that I way. had a
6: fake. I had a fake foot by your head. And then so when he scratched your (laughs) nose, your foot
4: went, uh, that was real. And in the real world. And the other one is that the janitor builds a full size house out of sand in the parking lot. And that was in the real world.
6: That the, all right. The sandcastle is not my fault (laughs) because the sandcastle, the gag, you know, it was written like it was real in the script. And we thought it would be a sandcastle, like the size of like, you ever see a kid's playhouse, like outside something you could actually build. Right. And our, uh, when I showed up, I drove, uh, I tried to drive to my parking spot that morning and the parking lot was closed. I remember going, uh-oh. <laughs> and then I rounded the corner and there was a- It's like a,
4: Spinal Tap,
6: the opposite way. <laughs> there was a sandcastle as big as my home. I'm like, oh no. Well, that's, and we can't say it's a fantasy because I think he, he lived there for most of the episode. He kept yelling at people.
1: Tekovas delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tekovas.com. That's T E C O V A S.com. And point your toes west.
4: As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovas has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value, and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovas. Only at Takovas.com.
1: Let me tell you guys, my family loves our Helix Sleep Mattress. Ever since we've got it, we've had some of our best sleep yet.
4: The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux Collection, the newly released Helix Elite Collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So how
1: will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect
4: mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress.
1: Everybody is unique, and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences.
4: Not only is the mattress the best I've slept on, but the setup was fast and easy. Helix mattresses are delivered in a box straight to your door for free.
1: Helix is offering 20% off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash realfriends and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now.
4: Those are
7: the two that always
4: stuck out in my mind as one. And I'm sure as we go through the series, we'll find other ones. But I remember thinking like, oh, my God, that one in the bag was in the sandcastle. Right? Yeah, so, there were mistakes. So yeah. listen, 225, we were talking about how you phased out. the In this episode, you, were, you went nuts with sound effects. And there's the, there's literally a horn noise when Johnny's rat for fucking. When you and JD eventually do. Yeah. Says, I mean this so episode dumb, is this this might have been your peak sound effects moment as you're figuring out Oh uh, no there's
1: another one coming I know there's another one coming. But this there's one, one has way.
4: the this one has the ear flick noise and also pretty much like any time Johnny C moves is
6: You guys did the trivia question of Jeff's you know, the powers that be, and you know, it's hard to screen rough cuts of single camera shows because they wouldn't hear the laughs of all their of uh, friends and Will and Grace. They'd be like, Is this funny? And I thought it was funny. I hated those sound effects so much. Did you guys do the trivia question of the one sound effect that stayed all nine years?
1: It's got to be the whoosh to go away into to the, the fantasies. dream sequence. Yeah.
6: No, whoosh to fantasies though is not a sound effect with an actor. There's okay. an actor. Oh, oh, Todd, high five. Whoops. There you go. <laughs> Todd's high five being amplified times nine thousand. I think it's. I think that's the sound of like a rubber mat being slapped on the
4: ground. <laughs> you know, and we kept that one forever. That's funny. They really hurt, by the way. I mean, the, come uh, they ge- on. They come genu- on. I'm not being a wimp. They genuinely hurt. You no know one's calling you a wimp, but come
6: on. He still passes out fives, you know, online to people. I know you can.
4: You can go on cameo. By the way, we'll give Rob a shout out. You can go on cameo, and Rob Maschio will send you a message and high five you virtually, and uh, go go hire uh, Rob to give your friends a virtual high five on cameo. <laughs> I kind of want to get one for Donald. <laughs>
1: I'll accept and receive it. Thank you very much.
4: Uh, Three twenty-six. The janitor says one of my favorite lines of the first season. You seem unhappy. I like that.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I had well, forgotten that he locked you outside. and wasn't. Talk doing about the,
4: Neil for a second, Bill, because we yeah. told we shared with the with the listeners the the story about how you know he, he wasn't intended to be in your mind, as big a role as he was. Or, and, there, and, of course, everyone t- always discusses that he may have been a figment of my imagination if, if the show only went one season. But just talk about Neil and, and how you kept expanding his part because he was just so friggin' funny.
1: I have a question. Did he have to audition also? That's the other question. No, he did no. not have to here's audition. What, here's,
6: here's what happened is Neil does a stand-up bit when he's interviewed because he's a really good actor. I don't know if you guys have ever seen any of his dramatic stuff. Of course. He in, in the middle, in he was so theater. good, too. And he's so good, yeah. And he came in and read for John, like for Dr. Cox. And um, he was really good. But literally there, because we were old buddies, I'm like, you're going to be the janitor. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so when he talks about it, he's like, so I really prepared. And I came in. And then Bill said, I'm going to be the janitor. And when Neil does the bit, Neil's like, well, I still carry around like a, a, <laughs> a clipboard and a step mop. Carry around a mop. He goes, <laughs> like, Well, I get to wear one of those cool lab jumpsuits.
4: Great jumpsuit. Oh, <laughs> well, he would get so mad. Neil would that it wasn't a jumpsuit. He goes, "It's a. It's, a, it's yeah. a gray shirt and pants. It's not a jumpsuit."
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. I always thought that his character was like the worst janitor in the world. But when you watch the show, he's always working and he's always doing his
6: job. He was never lazy. You know no, what I but mean? He was, he, was, he was drunk most of the time. <laughs> that was yeah, one of my he, favorite lines ever. Is Have you been drinking? I'm not drunk. <laughs> Nah, so look, uh, uh, JD, the real JD told uh, me often when he was talking about it that there would always be somebody, as there is in any group dynamic, when he was a resident, it would just plague him, you know, it wasn't always a janitor or whatever. So I wanted to come up with that character for you. And I thought it would be a line here or there. But Neil was so funny, man, and such a gift just to have around, and and he's, you know me, whenever I I think someone's funny and they're a buddy, I put him or her in as much as I possibly can. So he became more and more of a character in ways uh, I never thought. And part of the joy for me of going back and looking at these episodes, not only seeing moments like that, Zach, that I know Neil made up, you know, uh, uh, like even in this episode, you're screaming and the line in the script is la la la, I can't hear you. But then I kept it in because, like, that's one of the first times that I looked into editing. And then there was Neil going, what? You love who? You know, you know what I mean? It, it just play, play, playing around with you. You know what I mean? I remember
4: the scenes with Neil would always be so fun because, you know, we'd all riff around. But Neil was the best at it. And and you just never knew what, what he was going to say. And I, I just remember I always knew I was going to laugh extra hard because he would just come up with the craziest shit ever.
6: I was randomly down the wormhole of getting ready to talk to you two guys. Uh, by the way, the end of my other sentence was one of the gifts for me as I watched the show go on and evolve. Some stuff got worse as a writer. You know, like when you say, I torture myself when I got too broad and stuff like that. But then some stuff got better. Characters got richer. And last night, randomly, I was watching Neil interact with Donald. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you remember when he had a sock puppet. He's like, and he pretended they hit you with the face. And your dynamic with him was so funny as well you know it was uh, uh cool to see him start to interact with other characters but the 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 wormhole i ended up in last night and everybody should go look for it uh there's a scene with sam lloyd who plays ted and zach and neil and you guys are trying to help neil with a girlfriend you know he's trying to the girl that played the ukulele kate mccucci gooch uh gooch you're trying to uh, get him to go for it with her and I told Neil, I'm like, you gotta make up something of what you did with your girlfriend. And Neil, Zach, we used your real reactions. He made up a monologue about killing a duck for her. Yeah, It's not in the script. And Great. I watched it last night. He, go, he starts and he goes, uh, he goes, uh, look, you should give her a present. Um, like Something personal, something you made. Like when I first started dating lady, I gave her a duck that I killed. Already, <laughs> already a weird premise, right? And then he said, uh, uh, I know what you're asking. Wouldn't it have been more personal to kill her in front of her? And yes, it would have, which is also made up. And then he goes, but the duck and I were driving over. And, uh, uh, and he, goes, he goes, maybe I was having a bad day. Maybe he was. I don't know. But next thing you know, we're pulled over on the side of the road, shirts off, which meant the duck was wearing a shirt. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, next thing you know, we're pulled over on the side of the road, shirts off, you know, seeing what's what. So Neil described a scene that he beat a duck to death on the side of the freeway. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, that's why that guy's in the show so much, man. I said, hey, come up with something that you did for your girlfriend. And he's like, what he's probably looking for is that I uh, beat a duck to death for her and then brought it over so she could cook it. So weird.
4: He would also just come up with the craziest shit and to the point where in, in later episodes in later seasons bill sometimes it would just say in the script it, it, it would just and then neil makes up something
6: yeah neil please say something funny it's late i, I, I guess it was one it was, script i
4: guess it was late night in the writer's room bill and you're like I, we, we're not going to do that just put neil says something funny yeah
6: dude i wrote that in the script at one, the first time i'm like neil it's two in the morning just say something funny and uh, uh the next day he did of course you know I I liked it the most when I got to see him with you guys or with Sarah actually having a real moment, you know, because it was so cool that he could actually deliver, you know?
1: Absolutely, That's the interesting thing. As we, you know, as the show goes on, you start to see people's first one-on-one scenes together. And so in this episode, John C. McGinley and Sarah have their first real one-on-one scene where she's asking him for advice. And at this point, we... As an audience, as a as an audience member, we think that J D. and John C. McGinley are the only ones that you know. That's the only dad son relationship, but he was yeah. actually a dad to all of us in the show. As far as you know what I mean, and this was the first episode where we see Sarah and him, uh, and and actually him mess with Sarah in a way that could have gotten her fired.
6: In the shit, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean. I just thought that I thought that was very interesting because eventually you have to introduce everybody, even though it took you know, a a whole season for everybody to meet the janitor for the janitor to do other scenes with for Neil to do other scenes with everyone other than Zach. It was just it's just interesting because when the show starts off, it seems like the bubble is so small. You know what I mean? And it starts with JD's relationship with everybody. But then as it goes on, the bubble just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's a great metaphor. And by the end of it, we're all in the same universe together. And this is also the first episode where the hospital gets really wacky all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like, we weren't wacky before that. Before this, we were, you know, even though it's episode three, we started, this is where we're starting to do things that later on, I think, you know, I love it when you jump from episode one or two and you jump all the way to episode, you know, season three, episode five, because the growth of the show is so different. You know what I mean? Um, oh, I
6: think about it in terms of characters, like what's one of the things that's hard for me to watch about the early episodes is Ken Jenkins is such a good actor and he was the bad guy on this show. And uh, I had not yet realized how deliciously silly and funny that guy could be. You know, right. that guy is a comedy assassin. And, but, he, but he was so good at being a, a guy that you just hated. You know what I mean? And, and we leaned into that, and he didn't have any other levels. So it's so cool when he expands, you know what I mean, to see that you know that he's silly and funny, that uh, Johnny C. can be kind here or there, that Donald and, and the janitor can go back and forth at each other but be on different playing fields because Donald's not threatened. You right. I mean, uh, it's, it's weird to see you guys all at the beginning because I, I did like the rich characters that you all became very much. you know. I love it.
1: Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C ovas.com and point your toes west.
4: As a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovas has said they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on Tecovas.com. Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so there are always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code REALFRIENDS at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacovas, only at tacovas.com.
1: Let me tell you guys, my family loves our Helix sleep mattress. Ever since we've got it, we've had some of our best sleep
4: yet. The Helix lineup offers 20 unique mattresses, including the award-winning Lux collection, the newly released Helix Elite collection, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress
1: works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under 2 minutes.
4: And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress.
1: Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences.
4: Not only is the mattress the best I've slept on, but the setup was fast and easy. Helix mattresses are delivered in a box straight to your door for free.
1: Helix is offering 20% off of all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash real friends and use code helixpartner20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now.
2: Sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
0: If you want to relive the fields on Grey's Anatomy, Hulu is here for you. But what are
1: you waiting for? Let's go.
0: Every episode of Grey's Anatomy is now streaming on Hulu. Seriously. Every. I'm your person. Every. Now we dance it out. Every. McDreamy. Every. McSteamy. Every. Grey's Ever. Now streaming on Hulu. And new episodes Friday.
4: Bill, we take a caller here on, on our show, and it looks all like... Right, so I, so, by
6: the way, I just thought it was a supervillain because it is a, <laughs> is, a, is, a, is, a, is a
4: gentleman that is
6: has got a cat, out, just
3: has a for, cat for on you, his you, lap.
4: For you guys listening at home, uh, his picture came up on Zoom, and he's petting a cat like like the evil genius, like Dr. <laughs> <laughs> evil.
6: You all are enjoying talking about your show. Well, I have bad news. That's funny.
4: Um, all right, Joel, go ahead and introduce him.
1: Yes. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for joining
7: us. Hi, everyone. How are you? Can you hear me?
4: Yes, we can. Yeah, hey, we hear you just fine, Martin.
7: This is my first ever Zoom meeting. I've never done this. I'm glad it's working.
1: I'm glad you're here.
4: Well, Mark, you picked a good episode uh, to uh, be on because we have the curator of the whole show, Bill Lawrence. So if you have a question for uh, any of us, go ahead. Oh, well,
7: hello, Bill Lawrence, and hello, all of you. That's awesome. Hey, Mark. I'm uh, so glad to be here. Where do
4: you live, by the way?
6: Uh, I live in Chicago. Okay. I'm on the northwest
7: side of Chicago, up in uh, Avondale, Old Irving Park area.
6: Shytown nice. stand up. We were just talking about Neil Flynn. That's where, uh, that's the area of the world that he is from, my friend.
7: Really? Oh, my I damn you know. That. That. Yeah,
6: but not your yep. specific area.
4: But he's from Chicago. No, but he he's was not like yeah.
7: downstairs right now. Right now. No no no, 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 no,
6: no. I mean,
4: he could be. All right, go ahead, Mark.
7: All right. Even from the earliest episodes, uh, Scrubs wasn't afraid to raise social issues uh, and took a clear stance that I thought prioritized, like the being of people over the economics and insurance bureaucracy. I felt like this helped a lot of young people, myself included, start thinking about the human side of healthcare uh, and healthcare like as a human right for the first time and sort of some of those more serious issues. So I was just wondering if you guys recalled uh, any specific moments from production episodes or moments on set that might've changed or influenced the way you guys view the sort of work done by uh, your characters or just sort of the healthcare system as a whole?
6: Wow! I'll let Donald and and Zach answer this for the show. I will tell you, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, Mark, because uh, the real JD and my pal, we were both kind of screw ups with a lot, with very little direction as young guys. And I remember asking him what the hell he was doing going back to pre-med. And he talked about wanting to be of service, you know, and his viewpoint right now, you know, not to make this too poignant, Um, I FaceTime with him every night when he gets off work because he's running the COVID command center. He's running the whole ICU for this hospital, as we spoke about, and it helps him decompress and not take that stuff into his family. And he, as a caregiver, cares so much more about the humanistic side than any, any of this other bullshit, and he instilled that upon me. And he said we could steal all of his stories, but we could never have a callousness. He said he was only interested in me... Stealing his stories and his life and his name if uh, the undercurrent of the show was that it was about a bunch of people, flaws and all, that cared most about helping and taking care of other people. So that was part of the series, and I'll leave the rest to Donald and Zach. But that's cool that you asked that because I think about him every day. He's, He's out there doing stuff. Well, Much more I, important, of this.
4: course, and 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 it's it's the perfect question for this era, Mark, because these 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 medical professionals and everyone who's working in the industry, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, or a, 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 a janitor, a, a medic, everyone who's in this environment is uh, has as as the world is finally seeing uh, in the spotlight how heroic these people are, and I think I always felt when we were making the show that Bill was really shining a light on how dedicated these these folks were and how they had to deal with life and death every single day. One thing that really stood out for me when you, when you asked your question was that I remember learning that the nurses really run the show. Um, I hadn't spent much time in a hospital when we started making scrubs, and I, I learned that the doctors can't do it without the nurses, and the nurses are the ones who are on the front lines and the doctors have to be rotating and they can't do anything without the help of amazing nurses. It wasn't until I spent more time in hospitals with my, both my father and my sister getting sick that I really, I, I, and this was after Scrubs, but I remember being like, wow, this is everything we were doing is so real. I'm witnessing it on the front lines that we see that doctor like every now and then, but man, these nurses, and when we have a good one, it is such a difference and and, and make, puts a smile on my sick father's face and When we have one that's a little bit aloof, it just drives you crazy. And I I just really, um, it really came home to me, uh, everything we had been doing on the show, how crucial and how important uh, the people on the front lines, particularly in this anecdote I'm telling the the nursing staff of, of hospitals were to me.
1: The one thing that really sticks out for me is to piggyback on what Bill said, is, you know, for some hospitals, if you don't have insurance, you can't get treated. And the one thing that Scrubs did, which I thought was amazing, was we had a bunch of the doctors on the show were a bunch of rule breakers, benders, especially when it came to something like that. You know what I mean? That was always special for me because, you know, a lot of people don't have great insurance, especially right now. A lot of people don't have it, and or any insurance at all, yeah. and tests, any insurance at all. Thank you, Zach. And tests costs a lot of money. You know what I mean? And if there are rule breakers and rule benders out there that can save lives in that way, I'm I'm all for that. You know what I mean? And I love that we had people on the show like Dr. Cox when Kelso's trying to get this person out of the hospital. Cox comes up with so many different ways to get this, to get this guy a bed. And I thought that was just amazing.
6: Hey, Mark, the uh, uh, we obsess so much about your question, all in terms of the character, of Dr. Kelso. There's an episode... Uh, you guys might remember, I I remember the song and the scenes that, uh, because the real JD, he runs a hospital now and he's like, and you're forced with having to make these decisions for the greater good. And there's an episode in which Dr. Kelso, you know, has to punt a guy, you know, uh, from treatment that they don't have insurance, don't have money in an effort to still build other stuff and to have money to save other people. And we made this joke about how every time Dr. Kelso's foot hits the bottom of the stairs when he leaves the hospital, he starts whistling as if the day doesn't even affect him. And at the end of that episode, even he, because he knew he was directly responsible for his guy not getting care, uh, his foot hits and he, he has a moment you can see it's really hard for him to start whistling again. There's a Citizen Cope song called Sideways Playing. And so we just wanted to make sure that the people weren't the villains and that the system was. So, yeah, I'm really grateful that you noticed that and asked about it.
7: Awesome. Thank you guys for giving such detailed, great responses. Uh, sure. I, mean, I think it just speaks to how much you guys feel for this show and put into this show. It really comes across, and I think that's why I've been such a big fan for so long.
4: So, Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks so much hey. for asking your question. Do yeah, you want to ask another question?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, All right. Uh, you get one more. All right. So uh,
7: this episode, episode three, uh, and the show as a whole, I think, has a lot of moments that... Uh, exemplify really healthy, often sensitive uh, male relationships, both your guys' Turk and JD, uh, and JD and Dr. Cox and other ones. And I was just wondering if you guys could maybe talk a little bit about what was important to you guys uh, to have positive sort of emotional moments between you know, bros and how that might have affected your real life friendship.
4: I, I think that's a great question. I'm glad you asked it with Bill on the show, because for me, I really felt in a positive way. Granted, we, we joked about it a lot, but I thought in a positive way, we were showing, you know, when we were growing up, I mean, when Donald, uh, Bill's a smidgen older than us, but when Donald and I were growing up, you know, anything you did that was emotive towards a guy, you were called gay, and it was derogatory, and it was negative, and it was just an adjective in high school and junior high and middle school, and everything was, and I always, as someone who was, uh, it's no surprise, I'm, I'm similar in a lot of ways to JD, I always felt like but this is who who I am. I am a guy who is a hugger and who's emotional and wears his heart in his sleeve and loves musicals. Who happens to be a, a heterosexual. And I felt like Bill wrote a character, a friendship that was like, well, we're going to show that that's okay to men in a way because I I've noticed it in my life. You know, the fact that Donald and I would hug and stuff. You know, I did a Broadway show and and Scrubs fans would come to the to the stage door and they'd be like, J D, can I have a hug? And I would always kind of laugh. It was almost like the show was giving a certain community of men, telling them that it was okay to, you're not going to, no matter what your sexuality is, who cares? It's not going to be threatened by being like JD, just being who you truly are. And I i always thought that that was, uh, was a really positive thing that that Bill put out there.
1: Yeah, I loved, I loved the fact that the two of them were so comfortable around each other that they could be like brothers and lie in the same bed in their underwear and it not be a thing for them. You know what I mean? I, I, I like that. And I think that storyline definitely transferred into my real life with Zach. You know what I mean? Like I feel like my comfortability about being around other men uh, and and not being afraid to be who I am and accept who they are It's all because of Scrubs. You know what I mean? I've played best friends in uh, other projects and, you know, you play the tough guy, et cetera, et cetera. But with these guys, none of that stuff mattered. What mattered was that they loved each other at the end of the day. And I, I cherish the fact that I can have friendships with men and I can say to them, I love you and it not be looked at as a bad thing.
6: It's a weird topic for me because, you know, J.D. was based on real J.D., Donald was based on Doctor, but the truth is, with these two characters anyways, I always joked around that I was kind of wrestling with both sides of myself because I I played sports and was the high school jockey type guy. That uh, was afraid of this stuff, and on the other side, I do. Zach and I share a love of Broadway musicals. Bill can and, sing uh, Le
4: Miserable uh, in French. Go, Bill. Qui est moi
6: pour je cet homme pour servitude? Or right, whatever. And uh with <laughs> yeah, that cool, par- ferroc, you take the watch. They made a
4: sacrifice. Who is light. <laughs> Donald? That's a digression. We'll sing Les Mis in later episodes. Uh,
6: okay, okay. The uh, uh so I was me. always wrestling as a young man with you know, which which lane I fit in and wishing that it would be easier just to not have to pick a lane. And then these guys, look, the truth is, whenever you create a relationship as a writer, it's yours for a second. And then the actors, if they're great, they wrestle ownership from you. And what starts out is 80, 20 years, you know, quickly in this show became 50, 50, mine and theirs, and then became all theirs in a way that I would write moments that weren't supposed to be romance moments you know like whether it was them wanting to hug each other you know at the end and then when I look in the dailies they're rubbing their faces and heads against each other <laughs> like, that's ooh, my ooh. that's my by the way my that's right, my
4: favorite meme my favorite gif is, is the favorite gif is the one of me and Tom rubbing that. our heads i that's use it the all the, the best time one ever. People, so people, people are always like, you're using gifts of yourself. I'm like, yeah, that one I do.
6: Because it really looks uh, like yeah, we're trying to smell
4: each other, dude. That
6: <laughs> really looks like by it. By the way, I think one of you ad-libbed in that, you smell like an athlete, and, like an athlete. Uh, in a way that you're just so happy. Like an athlete. So my point is I was doing it as an intellectual exercise, and these guys made it something more. And it's all about their – you get lucky on a TV show when what you're watching feels even more real because the undercurrent of it, their intense friendship is real.
1: You know, I, I also like that when we meet people nowadays, they're so eager to talk about their best friend and how much they love their best friend. You know what I mean? And that 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 makes me feel great. You know, oh, he's the brown bear to my vanilla bear or you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I-, I
4: honestly think it gave us a, a certain community of men who watched the show and were open to it a uh, sort of permission to 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 be more true to who they were. As, as, Mark, as, if you want to,
6: if you want to indulge, my version of googling my own name is I'll occasionally go looking at all these wedding videos where the best man sings guy love to the the groom. They're fantastic. There's like a <laughs> thousand of them out there, and it always starts with a fake setup. He's like, you know, I was trying to think of what to toast and what to blah blah. blah and then I thought. Probably better to do in song than taste. the facts. The facts oh. you know. And then the groom, the groom always stands up with a microphone too because they've rehearsed it twenty times. And I'm at home by myself, just going like this. Lauding, <laughs> <So laughs> I love it.
4: All right, Mark, thank you for two awesome questions.
6: Yes, thanks, thanks man, thanks
7: for having me. That was great. All
4: right, right stay safe. Nice meeting
6: you, Mark. Hey, stay safe, buddy.
7: Take care. Be healthy,
4: Bill. Why does Nurse Roberts have so many bowling shoes for sale? Look, one of the things that we
6: embraced on Scrubs early on was surreal jokes just for us. Okay. Yeah. And we were trying to think. I remember this, and we wanted this to be a runner, and we dropped it. We shouldn't have dropped it, but you know, you get too busy. When you were fantasizing about talking to Turk, we started going down a path of going, what he doesn't realize is he's in a topic with uh, Nurse Roberts, and she's got a side hustle. Yeah. And we're like, what's your side hustle? It's selling her dead husband's bowling shoes. But he didn't even bowl. She's just got like 20 pairs of bowling shoes that she tries to unload to
4: people. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was so funny, and and uh, I, I forgot that joke. And then the, when Donald showed up wearing them, I just laughed out loud. I thought that was so funny. And then I, and then I get thought, these Nurse Roberts. And then I thought I gotta ask Bill just the logic behind it. Why what is Nurse Rob? Why is Nurse Roberts side hustle selling her her husband's bowling shoes?
6: She's just always looking to get a step ahead, man. The uh, um, I just love that joke because the same way I told you that Neil's joke meant that. He and the duck were both wearing shirts, even though that wasn't said aloud. That joke means that while you were fantasizing about Turk, apropos of nothing, Nurse Roberts said, "Hey, is there any chance you ever be interested in buying some used bowling shoes?" <laughs> Is that something that you would want? Because then you snap out of it. You're like, I do. I would really want
4: that. Yeah. yeah. When I come out of the when I come out of the fantasy, she says something like, "So the checks in your locker or something?"
1: No, she, yeah, goes, she cause says, I could, "No, because I got them in my locker."
4: <laughs> oh yeah. You want to write me a check? You want to write me a check because I got them in my locker? <laughs> so I picture her locker is just stacks, <laughs> stacks bowling shoes. Every couple of days, she
6: sells someone a pair of bowling shoes. It's just a little side hustle.
4: Uh, Bill touched on this uh, at 1937. There's the very first um, thing we did a lot uh, with stunts on Scrubs called the Cowboy Switch. And just if you go back and watch it, what happens is the camera never cuts, but I'm running down the hall, and then the camera, without cutting, goes behind a, a cart, which switches to the stuntman, who then goes and does a really hard fall on the ground, the camera can't find me and comes back and uh, like a magic trick, I've switched back to where I was. This is a really clever thing that that we used to do a bunch of times on the show in order to do a really harder fall that, that needed to be a stuntman. And I wonder, Bill, did that, is that something Adam brought or something a stuntman brought or, or you knew about? How did How did those start coming into the show?
6: Adam pitched very hard. The thing we already spoke about is on this show – the camera is a character because it's almost an extension of JD's head. You know, he's narrating for this camera that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. So that was Adam. It's why he directed it. I remember him even saying, um, just so you know, I think he shot one without it, but he's like, just so you know, when we do the cowboy switch to buy time, the camera is going to look around for JD. (laughs) And I remember going like, what? He's like, it's going to go like that. It's going to try and find, it's going to try and find its owner. It's like a dog when you disappear. You know what I mean? And uh, so that was Adam. And that dude, Noon, was all about the cowboy switches because he and Ernie, the two stuntmen, always. By the way, it's our favorite joke, Zach. Ernie, a uh, uh, great stuntman, but it's like always be wary of a stuntman who no longer has any of his own teeth. Or hair. Um, so he, had a big set, he had a big set of great white teeth.
5: I'm and like, what I happened
6: think- to your real teeth? So, yeah, the end is they said uh, uh, the stunts on this show, you want this stuff to all look real and not silly. Let's have our thespians and you guys both did some do them as much as we can, whether it's driving a scooter into the water or sliding under the cart or cowboy switches. And it helps sell the reality of that clumsiness. I thought it was
4: awesome. And when we get to the Wizard of Oz episode, there's the most epic cowboy switch that we'll talk about where the scooter goes into the puddle. But stay tuned for that. Um, the friend zone, Bill. That is one of the funniest articulations of the friend zone. I, I noticed this time that every everybody's dressed in beige. <laughs> That's my first favorite.
1: That's my first favorite and one of my all time favorite uh, fantasies ever. And it, it just was. It's such a smart. Smart way to describe the fantasy. I
6: would have done that fantasy in a, in a world of streaming where you don't have time limits for 10 minutes. I would have wanted to hear where everybody crossed paths with her. You know, it was, I loved uh, – my favorite wasn't even Becky being in there. My favorite was the yeah. guy going, we worked together at Penguins. Because in my head, That's I'm like, that guy, yeah. <laughs> that guy and Elliot barely had shifts together. They just occasionally overlapped at Penguins yogurt, and he was just like –
4: but, yeah. But yeah, I'll just, cover your shifts. I just yeah. love the cleverness of in Elliot's mind. None of those people stood out. So they're everybody's dressed in a shade of beige.
6: Yeah, they're all <laughs> blending in. They're all just people that drifted through her life, you know.
4: Um the last uh, thing I, I don't know, Donald, do you have anything else but the last thing from the show that I wrote down that I thought was really funny, I don't know if we ever did it again, is that you're using Rowdy's mouth to open up the beers. I was that
1: was that was the last thing I had too. I was going to ask you
4: I thought
6: Rowdy. I thought Rowdy should have always. It should have always been a bottle opener. But uh, I think that's the first time we introduced your dead dog without. I don't think we had any lines referencing it. Did we? No. We no. He's, zero
4: lounge restaurant. No. 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 He, oh, you mean was he in episode two? Yeah, he's he in two. An episode I'm, two. I'm, two but over That's when house. we introduce him.
6: That's
1: when we introduce. Oh yeah, Rowdy. yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. Okay.
4: I loved you know
6: Rowdy is. That's I think something more than shockingly more than anything that people would go now. Is, a, is there a dead dog that's a character in this show, a real yeah. stuffed dead dog? That would there, be a huge issue.
4: Bill, I don't know if the urban legend is true, and I really don't want you to correct it if it's not. But Donald and I were discussing in an earlier uh, episode of the podcast that when the one of the prop men was let go, he hid Rowdy in the ceiling tiles of the prop room. That's uh, true. That's true. <laughs> that is true.
6: <laughs> I told you. I told you. It's true. Yeah, he he he. We had to let someone go for different reasons, and he knew that that was a, a prop that he had that was a character on the show. So he tried to get us back by hiding it in the uh, uh, above the tiles. He <laughs> locked himself in there and hid that poor dead dog above the tiles.
4: So for a brain, brief- by the way,
6: we we found it right away. So when we got an extra one, we were only getting an extra one in case something ever happened to the real one. But part of the lore became that we got an extra dead dog to you know replace the one that was lost, but it's not. It's just the generate, it's just, in a weird way, that's what generated that story of what would we do.
4: And then, Bill, that gave birth to a beautiful, very moving storyline of of introducing Steven, um, the other. <laughs> 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 I was already laughing got with Steven Donald. in the end? Did you get Rowdy or did you get Stephen? I got nothing. End? Neither, they're all, I told you this story. No, I don't mean somewhere. that.
1: I mean, when we break, so we don't live together anymore at one point. Who gets who gets who? Roddy. Oh,
6: I forgot who got Rowdy and who got Steven. I, I don't remember, but Bill, idea.
4: I was laughing with Donald about how um uh, someone can't tell the difference and I feel where their old taxidermy balls are and I go, "Nope, that's
6: Steven." <laughs> 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 you knew one of them was fixed. So. <laughs> <laughs> Rowdy hit that. I think that's Donald's line to open uh, yeah, season Roddy, 2. Yeah, Rowdy hit that. Yeah, yeah Rowdy, Rowdy hit, hit that. that.
4: I don't see. I don't know if today you could do uh, taxidermy dead dogs uh, humping someone's leg. Yeah, I don't know.
1: It's a whole new Look, level man, of bestiality. It, a whole new level. It, everybody,
6: it, not to make this an end line, but this was such a fun exercise for me because everybody always asks me what my favorite episode of Scrubs is, and I, I don't know how you guys feel. I always say the pilot because it remember it reminds me of first meeting you all and of the experience and the people. So much more than any specific episodes. When I watch these, like the first one, two, or three episodes, that's what I remember: is seeing you two idiots become friends, and having to deal with the pluses and minuses of that when you came in crazy hungover to work. But also when I would see your friendship on screen, you know, and seeing how people were afraid of Johnny C and how that translated, and seeing Donald's chemistry with Judy. And uh, uh, Zach and Sarah's puppy dog love for each. I mean, it's fantastic. So that's what this stuff takes me back to, you know, is how cool it is that not only that you two are still friends, but that we all still spend time together and talk, you know?
1: I, I say I love a lot, I've, I've noticed, but I truly do love that about what we've done together. You know, we didn't just build a television show together. You know, it wasn't just, you know, you created a show, we acted in it, see you later. It's, we've become like a family and when we see each other, it's so amazing. And, you know, I don't see everybody as much as I see the two of you, but it's always, it's always dope. You know what I mean? I I, I enjoy, I know I'm going to laugh. I know I'm going to, you know what I mean? I know I'm going to feel good. It's always great to be around y'all. It well, makes me happy.
4: Um, thank you so much, Bill, for coming on. And, and I hope that you'll do this. I mean, it makes sense for, of all people for you to come on a bunch to this, because I hope, I hope you will, because... You know, people are, are seem to be really liking it, and which makes us smile, and it makes so much sense to have you on uh, whenever you're willing to come on.
6: You know what I thought you could do, that uh, uh, you can either uh, use this, cut it, or take this pitch and do it from now on. On any podcast that I'm not on, if you guys run into a question with the guest or with each other, why did this happen or is this true, you can fire it off to me. I will voice memo record a one-line response that you can edit in. Oh, that's and, uh, and, That's great. And I love that. That's very
4: smart. We could be like, all right, Joel, uh, we need a Bill voice note answer on this question, and then we'll just cut it in when we do the podcast editing.
6: I love sure. that. Yeah. Um, you know, as if I'm hovering there all the time, which I will not be. Well, this is great what you guys are doing. I love you both. You. I you both. I miss you both. Thank you. Man.
4: And, um, and um, we love you and thank you. And, um, you know, we ended the last episode by giving a shout out to uh, the medical community. And I, I think it's right to do it since we were a show about a hospital, just to give all our love to anybody who's listening to this, who has anyone fighting on the front lines of this insanity. Thank you so much for your, your courage and, uh, and, and for being there for... For all of us and yeah there's a thousand
6: things you can do to be of service you can write a check or you can call your friend that's working at a hospital and talk to him or her every night just to see how they're doing but
4: uh spend a few minutes and do it thank you so much and on that note donald will you lead us in song yeah a five, a six, a five six here's some stories
1: about a show we made about a bunch of doctors,
2: and nurses and a janitor who loved me i said he's a
4: You can learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey guys, I've been telling you about how we are big fans of Tecova's boots. Heritage, tradition, quality, comfort, style, and service are some of the best features of Tacova's. But now they also have a gift for our listeners.
1: Tecovis will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps free with a minimum purchase of $100 at tecovis.com.
4: Just use code REALFRIENDS at checkout. That's R-E-A-L-F-R-I-E-N-D-S.
1: That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And point your toes
5: west. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms.